0: This is the Making Waves podcast. My name is Dave Robman, and we're here with Dan Gohler, Executive Director of Harmony South Dakota. It's great to be here. Thanks for the
1: opportunity to share with your audience. Could you tell us a little bit about Harmony South Dakota? Sure. Harmony was started almost 10 years ago uh, as a nonprofit here in the Sioux Falls area where my wife and I wanted to provide music as a vehicle for empowering kids to positively transform their lives. And so when you think about the opportunity to... Do something as challenging as performing in a musical ensemble, either a choir or a string orchestra, requires a lot of discipline. And so kids practice the life skills they need every afternoon, working together cooperatively to figure out how they're going to become, you know, the leaders and great parents and citizens of our community in the future. You've been at this for two decades now? Uh, Harmony for one decade, yeah. So it'll celebrate its 10th anniversary Um, in the beginning of 2014. So we've seen the life trajectory of kids um, move in a positive direction over that period of time. We've watched some of our kids grow up. Some of them are in college now or, you know, have jobs. And we have quite a few who are getting ready to graduate from high school. And so it's, it's a great privilege to have the opportunity, you know, to have a relationship with kids that begins when they're in elementary school and then the opportunity to see them grow up all the way through high school and to continue to work with them as they develop. You've been uh, facing some challenges in th- philanthropy. <laughs> Could you tell us just a little bit about that? Yeah. So, starting in 2020, everybody, you know, was facing various challenges with the pandemic. And so, um, all of a sudden, I started seeing a lot of um, talk about equity and diversity, equity, inclusion work and these different terms thrown around. Kind of had my radar go up because. It just seemed like we were looking for solutions to a problem that obviously there are issues of, you know, problems with people being treated unfairly based on their identities and things like that. I don't, I would not ever say that that's not true. The problem is how are we going to go about fixing or dealing with those problems? And so all of the solutions that were being proposed were things that involved punishing people or rewarding them based on these identity characteristics. And that's just not the idea that we've frankly been imperfect at, but not what our country was founded on. And particularly when you look at, you know, the, I have a dream speech, you know, we want people to be judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin or any of their other characteristics. And so when I started hearing, you know, equity statements being released and affirmations of various Marxist organizations like Black Lives Matter, it concerned me because we weren't critically thinking what exactly are we talking about if we're going to support these ideas and the agenda that's being proposed by these organizations? And so when I started seeing them popping up all over the philanthropic community that I'm involved with as the executive director of a nonprofit here in Sioux Falls, I was kind of shocked, frankly, and started to document and archive the various things that I saw coming out from the organization's and then eventually, it became a policy issue. We were asked to participate in DEI training sessions and to answer DEI-related questions. <laughs> Basically, record all kinds of various identity category information about the kids that we served. They were interested, you know, in the board makeup that we have that serves our organization, our employees, et cetera. And I just said, you know, this this is wrong. This is not the way we want to go about doing things. If we want to try to fix things. Let's have an honest and frank conversation about the problems that our community's facing because we're on the ground, you know, helping people. So let's talk about that. But let's not mandate a sort of bureaucratic, technocratic way of doing it and call it something that it's not. So you've started a platform, a video platform to document your findings? That's true, yeah. So when I started accumulating the documents and the videos from these various training seminars and all the correspondence and the DEI guidebooks and handbooks and all these things that were coming out, I started peeling away layers of the onion, and I was pretty shocked to see how so many of the organizations with which we've had relationships develop over the last decade were either complacent or complicit in this. And so I decided, I think people at a very basic level in a free society want transparency and accountability from their institutions, their government, etc. And if you're either your tax money or your philanthropic donations are going to organizations, that's all we ask. We want to know, where are you at? What are you going to do with my money? And are you being transparent and honest about how you're uh, handling that money and what you're doing with it and what your goals and objectives are? And so that's when I went ahead and started um, realizing that I needed to figure out a way to get that information out to people. As you know, most people don't read very much. You know, you see a block of text, they kind of turn off. So I thought if I could present the information that I had archived and accumulated since 2020 in a video format that was just very simple, then that would give people an opportunity not only to inform themselves, but also to share that information with other people that they want to be aware of the the, pro- the problems that our community is facing. Transparency is for
0: government. Privacy is for individuals. and It sounds to me like they want to take away
1: people's individual privacy. But what do you call your platform? A uh, platform is called Leninist on the Prairie, <laughs> which I know is an odd name, but it just hit me. It struck me, you know, this Of course, it brings up images of Little House on the Prairie, which everybody knows. But what I saw was essentially the ideology of Leninists, which is that they want to have a totalitarian autocratic approach. They want to impose these Marxist ideas of critical consciousness, which means that I'm going to see everything in the world, my relationships, my occupation, everything through the lens of a class struggle. There's an oppressor and there's a victim, and so it doesn't matter whether it's related to my race or my gender or my sexual identity or whatever category is created, there's always this narrative that goes, somebody's trying to laud their power over you and somebody's a victim, and if you give us your power, we will make it right. And That's, what they, that's the whole idea of social justice. It's redistribution of resources, whether it be jobs or money or anything else, opportunities of any kind to undo what they perceive as disparities and outcomes based on those categories that they define. And of
0: course, they get
1: to be the ones deciding this exactly. and moving the money around and the resources around. And of course they benefit from they this. do. And the final thing I would say is the refrain that is just completely repeated over and over again is disparities of outcomes. You know, we have these disparities. There are these disparities and the disparities are benefiting some people and hurting other people. But you're not presenting evidence to demonstrate that these identity categories that you're dividing people in is the cause of those. And we know from all the research and things that we've done, that's not always the case. And oftentimes it's not the case at all. There are That's like the best example is I have three kids. They all have the same DNA. They were raised under the same roof. They didn't turn out the same this doesn't exist anywhere in nature or in society. It's just impossible to get equal outcomes unless you have an autocratic state imposing it on people. Leninist on the Prairie, that's a YouTube channel? It is, yeah. So it's a YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube and you type in Leninist on the Prairie or just do Leninist Prairie, it'll pop up and you'll see our icon and then you can watch the videos. And basically the video content there are assembled into various playlists that are based on various organizations that are, as I said, complacent or complicit in these agendas and this ideology. And then the videos basically try to document that information. I don't provide much commentary. I do provide a little bit of context because a lot of people are not familiar with the terminology and it all sounds good when you hear it. So I just provide definitions of the terms that they use. But it's basically them talking in their own words and showing their documents that, that provide insight into their policies. What do you hope to achieve with this channel? Uh, Like I said, transparency and accountability. I want people to be informed and aware of the organizations and their communities, what what their ideology is, what their goals are, even if they don't explicitly say that, which they generally don't. And I think that's the problem is that we're playing both sides here with these organizations. They believe if people knew that we kind of were having to appease people on the left with these kinds of radical ideas, a lot of people would disinvest themselves from these organizations. That's a problem for them. So they abide or abet those ideas and policies, but then they don't talk about it explicitly. So that allows them to continue to kind of get income and support from both sides, but mostly it appeases the activists on the left, but it appeases the majority who are in the center or to the right a little bit. That say, well, I'll keep giving my money because I'm not really aware that you're doing this or my money might be going to some of these ideas that I don't support. And so that's really the goal is to inform people, educate them about what these issues are, and then hopefully share that information with other people so that, frankly, they can be disincentivized by disinvestment if necessary so that they realize that that's not the way to go. Could you give us some
0: examples of the sort of things you've uncovered here in our community
1: and who's involved? Absolutely. Uh, the first one, the main one, is my involvement with the United Way Harmony, uh, the organization that I lead, was received two thirds of our annual revenue from the Sioux Empire United Way. So it's a big step of faith for us to walk away from that. But that's how strongly we believe in not, you know, basically aligning ourselves with an organization that believes in this. And so what happened was. They started with putting out equity statement in summer of 2020, right after George Floyd was killed. We started seeing all these equity statements and various policies being implemented to try to undo the systemic racism and other systemic inequities and historic marginalizations, and that's the language they were using. They started talking about we needed to go to the DEI training seminars. They inserted various uh, questions on the application that were DEI related. And what's frustrating to me is when I would raise these issues with the leadership, They'd always say, we haven't made any changes, we don't have any DEI policies, we're not changing anything about our allocation procedure or application. It's like, well, the questions are on the application, and why did I need to go through five training seminars on a DEI to be in compliance if there is no compliance? This is the problem is that they play this sort of double speak game where they act like, well, we're not really forcing you or mandating anything. And then they say, but by the way, this is what we expect you to do, do the work with us and be on this journey together. Another example when I started looking into it more was the Sioux Falls Area Community Foundation, and they've been very generous to us as well, and we're grateful for that as an organization. But when I started looking at some of the organizations they were funding, it was discouraging to me because I know that these organizations like, for example, the Transformation Project, they are not promoting health and wellness in the city. Those policies harm children. And at least we should be able to have an open debate about that and and disclose, like, what's really going on. And so often the organizations who receive this funding with a very clear agenda, of course they promote it as a good and wholesome thing for the community and the work that they're doing because that's their position and that's fine. But my concern is that if we don't have an honest debate from both sides talking about, well, is this the best course of action in the community? Then one side continues to dominate the narrative. And we're essentially any dissension is discouraged as being bigoted. And you can't have a free society if we can't have an open dialogue about the benefit of policies and ideas within the society that we live in. What are some of these organizations who carry out
0: the DA training And they're associated with this. So you mentioned the Transformation Project.
1: Could you tell us a little bit about that and then talk about some of the other organizations? Sure. So one of the things that when the Sioux Empire United Way went on their DEI journey, as they call it, they set up a DEI committee. And so the president of the board at the time, uh, Brenda Kibbe, was the sort of leader of that. And then they selected, I don't know the process, but they have Susan Williams, who's head of the Transformation Project. So she sort of represents the LGBTQ community. And then they had another gentleman who works at Smithfield as sort of their DEI or community engagement person. They had another gentleman who is an activist in town who served on the mayor's transition committee. Those are the sort of people that they selected. And, and our DEI training seminar was led by the two women who co-founded Ace Academy. Ace Academy is a private school that was started in summer of 2020 because they believe that public, the public education system is steeped in white supremacy and needs to be dismantled. And so they teach critical race theory and DEI in their school openly and try to raise children's critical consciousness. And you know what? They have the right to do that. If they're a private school. They can do that. The problem is when they are selected as the experts on how to make a less racist society, and yet you're listening to them talk about and spout racist you know, ideas, I think that's a problem because it's all rooted. Anti-racism, as they call it, is all rooted in Marxist ideology. It's critical race theory. Thus in the name, it's a critical theory whereby everything is designed within a society to punish people that are not white. And that's not true. Are there inequities? Of course, in every society there are, but they're not systemic in that we, we don't live in a Jim Crow society where people are specifically, you know, laws are created and enforced in a way that specifically targets to punish or reward people based on their race. That's not the society we live in.
0: Are there yes. any other organizations besides Transpiration Project and East Commit? Uh, yes,
1: yeah, South Dakota Voices for Peace showed up in that as well. And who's the leadership of Voices for Peace? Uh, Taniz Islam, who ran for mayor in the last uh, Sioux Falls election and was defeated by uh, Mayor Tanagan when he won his reelection campaign. Um, she showed up in the training seminars as well. And also uh, she's been receiving grants from community grants from the Sioux Falls Area Community Foundation. Two of those are problematic from my perspective. One was they sent, I believe it was a dozen women in 2019 to the Muslim Sisterhood Arise Conference, which is in Minneapolis. And those are the folks who are associated with the defund the police movement over the last few years. They basically train them in intersectionality and anti racism and dismantling white supremacy and how to run for local school boards and whatever. And, you know, all that's perfectly legal and fine. But I don't think that that's the kind of context in which these grants are being awarded and publicly disclosed. They also have a program called Cohorts of Courage, which they've developed over the last couple of years. And this is where they have a week-long, essentially like a summer camp for high school, college-age students, where they bring in activists to show best practices in how to community organize. Again, nothing wrong with that necessarily, but the way they paint it doesn't sound anything like that. So I just would appreciate these organizations being a little bit more explicit and honest about what they're pouring their money into and supporting and what these organizations are truly about. How can people get more information about Leninists on the Prairie and access your videos and possibly join together to fight this neo-Marxist agenda? Sure. I would suggest that you visit our YouTube channel. Like I said, if you go to YouTube and you type in Leninist Prairie um, you'll be able to find it very easily, and there's a whole you know channel there with information. The videos are divided into playlists by various organizations as I have time to produce them and upload them. And then I suggest that you share those videos with your friends, family, colleagues, coworkers, anyone who needs to hear about this in the community. This is an opportunity for you, if you're concerned about these issues, to present the same evidence to them in a very easy to digest and understand format. Um, also, you know, you have the opportunity if you'd like, you could report incidences of this kind of ideology. You see and hear these terms floating around your workplace or in your school, or you're concerned about these various issues, then reach out and let me know or provide some of that information, do what I've done. I mean, it's not very difficult to just, you know, when you see something, make a note of it, hold on to that information and think about, is there an opportunity where I can share that information and say, hey, I'm concerned about this. And I do... All I've ever done really was go in earnest to the leadership and say, hey, you said express your concerns or questions about this DEI work we're doing. And I did that. Of course, they basically showed no interest in responding to it. So that's where I decided, okay, it's time to keep expanding the web of information out so people can hear about it. And then the other thing is this is harder, but I would say be bold. Be, don't be afraid. I mean, there are a lot of people who are being complacent about this issue, And unfortunately, after a period of time, you'll be asked to be complicit in it because you think, why would I say anything? It's just the way it's going. I just have to go along with it. What am I going to do? There's a lot of people who don't support these ideas and they know they're divisive and destructive to our community. I work with kids. I'm really concerned. Every day I teach them, if you see something that's wrong or something bad happens, you need to tell someone so we can work on it and fix it and don't ever lie about it. That makes it so much worse. Eventually the lies will come out, and even the good intentions that you have will unravel. So don't do that. My final thing is honestly, I would just suggest that people pray about this. If you're a person of faith, if you believe in the Bible, then you need to stand on truth because I don't have, if I wasn't a Christian, I would not have terminology to describe what I see around me. It's almost like you, you need to speak about it in theological terms and realize these are good intentions that are masquerading Um, around as solutions and ideas that will help people, but they're not. They're hurting people. So it's that classic wolf in sheep's clothing. Dan, this has been very informative. We've been
0: with Dan Goller, Harmony South Dakota. Thank you for being with us. This has been the Making Waves podcast with Dave Roman. Dan, thank you again. Thanks for having the opportunity to share my story.